You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. Hello, listeners. This is Hannah Cunningham, reminding you that we are still on a fall break. Over the past two weeks, we've been airing archive episodes while the Terra Informa team gets off the airwaves for a little rest, relaxation, and plays catch up with life in general. So far on our break, we've revisited two episodes from 2019, one about the Canadian curriculum and the climate crisis, and another about the importance of queer spaces in the cycling community. But this week, we are super excited to welcome back Beyond Blathers, a podcast produced by two Terra Informa alumni, Olivia DeBercier and Sophia Osborne. You will probably recognize both these voices from past Terra Informa episodes, and you'll recognize Sophia from some great episodes that aired this past summer. Before we get into the guest episode, we would like to acknowledge that Terra Informa is produced in Treaty 6 territory, in Amiskwitzi, Wiskaigan, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papas Chase Cree territory. The Papas Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homelands of many First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land that you are on. Beyond Blathers is a podcast that dives into the insects, fish, and fossils of the video game Animal Crossing New Horizons. In this episode, Olivia and Sophia tell us all about the pond skater. How exactly do they walk on water? Let's find out. Without further ado, from coast to coast to coast, you're listening to a Beyond Blathers takeover. Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And if you want to support the show, check out our merch store over on Etsy at etsy.com shop slash beyond blathers. Also, huge thank you to everyone who bought from our store. It honestly means so much to us. So if you bought something from the store and enjoyed it, we would really appreciate if you'd leave us a review. It helps us um, look more legitimate on Etsy. Uh, so um, that would be super, super appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm I'm happy to be back. Thank you, everyone, so much for your patience with us the last couple of weeks. And yeah, I'm really excited to get into today's 
episode, which I don't know anything about, we're doing an insect, the pond skater. I feel like it's been a really long time since we've done an insect. Yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of, it feels like it's been a long time since we've done anything. <laughs> Two <laughs> yeah. weeks, like, isn't that long in the grand scheme of things, but it does feel like it. Like, I feel like I haven't talked to Sophia in so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I was I was out teaching field school at the end of the summer, so it it was deeply exhausting but very fun. <laughs> so now <laughs> now it's time to share more animal facts. We did see some pond skaters when we were out doing field school, so I feel oh. like they're fresh in my mind. Perfect, yeah. Cool. Well, first let's see what Blathers has to say. So if you bring a pond skater to Blathers, he'll say putrid pond skaters, they walk on water, you know which is most preposterous. It is a trick they perform by secreting oil onto the hairs of their feet, to which I say, blah. And one must wonder, what will they do next? Walk on air? Walk through walls? Perish the thought. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a pond skater. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like Spider-Man vibes or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed about this. I realized he says they they do that by secreting oil onto their hairs. And I just want to say right off the bat, I actually didn't see anything about secreting oil. That m- might be the case, but Blathers, you have me doubting my research. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. Blathers has been wrong so many times he that I don't really wrong. trust him anymore. <laughs> they do have hairs on their feet. So, I mean, maybe. But but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> But before we get into it, let's just, right off the bat, this is another insect which has like a thousand names. For instance, some of them are called water skeeters, water scooters, water bugs, water skippers, Jesus bugs, or water skimmers. So lots of different names. Today, I'm going to be calling them water striders because that's the name I know and I'm familiar with. So just a heads up on that. But yeah, let's let's talk about what they are. If you've never seen a water strider before, you might have seen them on local ponds or like slow moving streams. They're very long and thin, although quite small, like no bigger than, you know, a quarter. They often have a very dark body and they might be green or brown. But what I love about them is they have this sort of racing stripe along their side very often, or at least the ones locally where I live. And sometimes you might see them like gathered together on the surface of water and they'll like quickly scatter when you approach them. They're just like gliding across the water and they're really hard to catch. But if you do manage to catch one, I encourage you to look at it under a microscope or if you have like a hand lens or a magnifying glass, they're really, really neat. Now, in terms of where you're going to find them, most of the time, like I mentioned before, you'll find them on relatively calm waters like lakes and ponds or on slow moving streams or rivers. And most species are freshwater, but of the over 1,700 species out there, about 10% live in marine environments, which is kind of impressive. And most of those marine water striders occur in the group Halobates and are usually found in sheltered marine environments in the tropics and subtropics. But there are five species that actually exist on the open ocean, and they are the only truly oceanic insects. Which I think is really amazing because I, if I was in a boat in the middle of the ocean, I would not expect to see any oceanic insects out there. That would be really confusing to me. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I mean, I feel like 
I'm used to because we we used to have a sailboat when I was growing up and definitely sometimes you would see like wasps or mosquitoes but I feel like that was usually when we were pretty close to shore or they had like kind of followed us on the boat from shore but yeah in terms of insects like actually living on the ocean the open ocean that's crazy yeah you just they're just really taking advantage of a niche way out there (laughs) it's like a very challenging niche to exist in wow and so they really live everywhere like the tropics as well as like alberta (laughs) yeah for the most part like you can pretty much find different species all over the world and they all look relatively similar they're quite spindly like long like skinny legs long skinny body (laughs) like they're pretty distinct wow cool and so taxonomically like what are they are they like flies mosquitoes they're not like spiders no no they're not spiders they are insects so they're another type of sucking bug called the hemipterans and we've talked about them before on this podcast uh both with the giant water bug and the cicadas so just a reminder if you haven't heard those episodes one of the defining characteristics of this group is that they have a tube-like mouth part that they use to suck up their food so whether that be plants or prey and usually that little tube is kind of tucked under their belly so if you flipped them over you'd see this sort of like line going down their body kind of like inserted it's really cool and what are they actually eating (laughs) yeah so water striders are predators or scavengers they'll hunt down bugs that have fallen into the water or that are close to the surface of the water like mosquitoes um, but also insect larvae and even dragonflies that have drowned in the water And the marine species will eat zooplankton, organic film on water, and even dead jellyfish. Now, the way they hunt is that water striders are able to detect ripples in the water to track down their prey, much like a spider feeling vibrations caused by a prey trapped in their web. So if something's struggling, it'll give off, you know, a little bit, bit of a wave and they can feel that. And water striders are also known to target mosquito larvae, which swim with little breathing tubes sticking out of the water. And that tube makes it really easy for water striders to grab the the prey and and eat them. So thank you, water striders, for eating up all the mosquitoes. They're um, a little bit of a pest, as I'm sure everyone's familiar with. Now, once a water strider has its target, has its prey, they'll use claws on their front legs, which are a little bit shorter, to pick up the prey and pierce it with their straw-like mouth. They'll secrete their enzymes, so like this, basically a juice that'll dissolve the inside of their prey, and then they suck it all up like a protein-rich bug smoothie. And interestingly, the claws that they use to hold their prey aren't actually at the bottom of their legs like you'd normally think when you hear the word claw. Instead, it's halfway up the leg, much like a mantis. So you know, they can keep their legs outstretched while they're eating. It's kind of like if your hands were actually at your elbows. It's weird, but it's also practical if you're a water strider who needs to keep all six feet on the ground or in the water. So yeah, just imagine that. (laughs) Similar to a mantis, which is also, you know, the tips of its little mantis arms are not what's holding the prey. It's like little claws halfway up their arm. Anyway, it is. I I thought it was interesting because I I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's really funny. Like elbow hands, <laughs> elbow hands. Like it seems really like. I mean, we can't even lick our elbow, so maybe it's not a good analogy. I guess I'm curious. You said you weren't sure about that oil on the feet 
fact, but I guess just like how do they balance on water, especially if they're like hunting down bugs and slurping them and stuff. (laughs) Slurping them up. Yeah, so water striders will treat the surface of the water much like a trampoline. Like they're kind of able to jump on it. They're always going to stay on the surface. And there's a bunch of things that are working in their favor in order to do this. But before we get into sort of the mechanics of it, it helps to know a bit about water molecules and how those work. So water is made up of a bunch of hydrogen atoms and oxygen atoms. And when they're all put together as H2O, they really like to stick to each other. So think of the way water beads on wax paper. They're just going to try and cling. And at the surface of water, water molecules cling to themselves because, you know, all that's above them is air. And this creates tension. And there's going to be a thin membrane at the surface of the water. And this thin membrane is where the water strider is walking or striding. And its body is built so that even if it jumps, its legs will never break the membrane of that water. And so therefore, they always stay above the water. So it's like a trampoline. That's, you know, that membrane has a lot of tension and it'll bend a little bit with the weight of the water strider. But this is such a small insect. It's just never going to break. That's amazing. I honestly can't believe that because I just feel like, you know, insect legs look like little needles. And like, I guess everything I've learned about kind of dispersing weight is around like, you know, snowshoes and things like that, like big surface area. Like how how does that work with little bug legs? Yeah, I mean, they do look so pointy, but the trick is that they're just really spread out evenly across the surface of the water. Like they aren't standing on their tiptoes, much like maybe a beetle crawling on land. They are Um, their leg is kind of flattened out against the surface of the water and it'll create these little dimples in the surface. So when they jump, their legs are sliding against that upper water membrane as they launch upwards and that helps them maintain an even distribution of weight. So it's, it's just amazing how they're able to do it. And there's a lot of studies going into the biomechanics of it all because it's so unique and could be really useful for like robots and stuff. Which brings me to their next trick to stay above water. So something that you've probably worn before if you're going swimming or on a boat is, of course, a life jacket. And life jackets work because they have all these little pockets of trapped air that, when attached to your body, decrease your total density as an object, which makes you float. And water striders have something similar. They have itty-bitty hairs on their legs that trap water much like a life jacket. And so, you know, Blathers here was talking about oil on the the hairs. And that's very possible because in all the papers I was reading, they called them hydrophobic hairs, um, which means they repel water. So it would make sense if there was also an oil on them. But um, I can't confirm that for sure. But those hairs are trapping a lot of water. And that helps them float even better. It's like having little life jacket feet things. And so that's another thing that's helping them out and helping them stay quite light. Now, this whole system works so well that water striders have become incredibly fast. And some are even able to move as quickly as 100 body lengths per second, which according to National Geographic would be like a six foot tall person swimming 400 miles an hour, which is like 640 kilometers per hour for us in Canada which is mind-blowing. Like, I literally (laughs) cannot imagine that. It's faster than I've ever driven in my life. They are truly skating. They are are striding. (laughs) 
Yeah, for sure. It, it reminds me of those like fairy tales of the the seven mile boots where every step you take, you you move seven miles. Do you know those oh, fairy I've tales? I've heard of that. No, I was a real fairy tale geek as a kid, and I really liked oh. reading the old fashioned ones. But I always thought that would be so cool. It's funny too when you said that they have like little like floaty legs because I was thinking of like yeah, just when you're a kid wearing what are those things called? Like, oh yeah, just like the arm floaties. Yeah, arm floaties. Oh yeah, but on all your feet. <laughs> so how does it work in terms of like mating? Because I don't know. Do they hang out in in groups with other water starters or are they all like spread out all over the ocean in different bodies of water? <laughs> yeah. So during breeding season, the males and the females have territories and they'll defend those territories. But once mating season is over, they'll often congregate, especially if there's like a really good source of food for them all to hang around. Like if a, a big dragonfly falls down, they'll probably all try and <laughs> get a piece. But something I think is really cool, speaking of mating season... Basically, is that water strider copulation is really, really weird. Um, so hold on to your horses for this like Game of Thrones level like sleaziness on the part of the male water striders. Like <laughs> it is so weird. So okay, here just just listen. This is so cool. So female water striders have this shield thing in front of their genitalia because if a male starts mating with her that she doesn't like, she can't really throw it off because its penis basically inflates inside her and like will get itself stuck, which is crazy already, but it it gets crazier. So male water striders can only copulate if the female is willing or is like basically coerced into it. So if a female refuses to copulate with the male, uh, because of course the female wants to be choosy about her mates, she's limited eggs after all, the male will begin tapping its feet on the water And now this was originally thought to be a method of attracting a female in the first place, like kind of a showing off, like, ooh, look at me, I can tap my legs really fast uh, kind of thing. But with this species of water strider, Jairus Gracilicornis, he's doing something a lot more sinister. So this foot tapping is actually a way of attracting a predator called a backswimmer, which hunts on the underside of the water, to the female. So the male is basically saying to the female, you better mate with me quickly or I'll call the back swimmer and it will literally eat you. <laughs> oh I, like, I read this and I was like, this is insane. <laughs> what? So they found that this technique was so effective that if the female had had this happen to her before, like if the, the male had started doing this tapping and a back swimmer had actually come and attacked her, she would submit really, really quickly to the male. And... Yeah. So anyway, that's like super screwed up. And they the, the researchers came up with this whole like idea because they noticed if back swimmers were around, um, the male would tap its feet a lot faster than if it was just trying to like show off for the female. So it was definitely trying to lure them in. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's dark. And like, I'm also thinking, all right, if this male is attracting a predator, wouldn't the predator also just like eat the male because the male's like right there but apparently because usually the water strider is already on top of the female's back when he's trying to copulate so he's doing that tappy thing on top of her and then the predator attacks the female from below and the male gets away most of the time so it's like totally on the female like 
Isn't that crazy? That's um, sad. That makes me sad. I they feel so feminism. bad for female like water striders. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a like very abusive relationship right there. I do not support that. But also I'm kind of impressed that nature comes up with these really dark mating yeah. strategies. So wait, so are back swimmers like fish or something? Oh yeah, I should have explained that. So a back swimmer is like another type of invertebrate. You'll probably see them if you did like pond dipping in your local pond. They're they look a bit like, I guess like you could mistake them for, uh, if you know what water boatmen look like, they kind of have like an oval shape and then f- like little paddles that stick out to the side that are their arms. They're they're pretty small. They're insects. Yeah, but they're predators and they'll like swim around on their backs with their like belly facing up and oh, look okay. for prey that way. So they just like skim the surface of the water, well, under surface of the water. Right. And so going back to the water striders do they lay their eggs on top of the water they don't lay their eggs on water but they will lay them on vegetation and rocks nearby and then once those baby water striders hatch they look essentially like mini adults and this is called incomplete metamorphosis incomplete metamorphosis only occurs in 10 percent of bug species so that's 90 percent of bug species that are going to have at least one immature stage, like a larva stage, where they look completely different from their adult form. Think like caterpillars to butterflies or maggots that grow into large beetles. So incomplete metamorphosis is somewhat rare, I guess, in the bug kingdom. Things like crickets and I believe grasshoppers have that as well, where the baby crickets will look pretty much like the adult crickets, just little. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because I... I feel like I really associate that with kind of like how to identify insects or like part of like a defining thing for insects is having those really different life stages. But that's cool that there are exceptions to that. Yeah. And they'll still molt. But yeah, they just kind of get bigger and bigger. (laughs) Right. And so you said that they're like incredibly fast. Does that mean they kind of are fast enough to avoid most predators? They are pretty fast, but they often aren't fast enough to avoid birds, which are one of their main predators. Amazingly, though, one predator I expected them to have to worry about a lot are fish. But it turns out fish don't actually like to eat them. Apparently, they taste really bad. They, like, secrete a distasteful taste from their glands. But yeah, like, apparently fish will eat them if they absolutely have to. Like, they're like a cucumber on a fruit platter. Like, we'll do it (laughs) if they have to. But like, it's not their first choice. That's so funny. And then, sorry, are they, they're just running on the water or can they also fly? Yeah, so some water striders can and some can't. So... I do mean that some species will have wings and others won't, but I also mean within the same species, they can have variation in terms of whether or not they have wings or even the wing length. So depending on the time of year a generation of water striders is born, they might lack wings or have differing wing lengths. And it all depends on whether they're going to need those wings to migrate to find a better place to live during that generation. So maybe they're living in a very small pond that's likely to dry up in a month, forcing a quick evacuation. Or maybe they need to migrate somewhere that has better winter overwintering conditions. So that generation that happens at the end of the summer, they're going to have wings. And maybe their parents didn't. Now, it seems like daylight and temperature really seem to affect water strider wing length. 
For example, let's say one species typically needs to migrate to a better overwintering spot. And there's a population that hatches like right at the end of summer, right before sort of the the overwintering batch is going to sort of hunker down for the winter. They're going to have uh, longer wings or they will have wings compared to like their parents who wouldn't have had them. So, yeah, that's kind of the water strider dealio. Um, like in summary, <laughs> water striders are kind of fascinating bugs. They've got like these amazing adaptations that allow them to survive in places as remote as open oceans or even just like the surface of a pond where nothing else, like a lot of things have a challenge living in. They also have somewhat criminal mating habits, which are questionable. And they can also summon the ability to grow wings with the change of seasons. So I think that's all pretty impressive. Yeah, that's so many fun facts, like a lot of really different ones. I didn't really know what to expect with this episode because I thought they were cool seeing them in New Horizons, just like skating around on the like little rivers and stuff. But yeah, they're very interesting in reality. Yeah, and I do like seeing them because they're kind of they're harmless bugs and they're just neat. Yeah. Did you say how big they get, by the way? Yeah, so they're generally pretty small. Like, they can be between 2 to 12 millimeters. So, yeah, still pretty small. There's a small number of species that can get up to, like, 25 millimeters. But uh, that's usually in sort of tropical areas. Right. And that's still just a couple centimeters. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's still not very big. Although I I had a prof, um, John Spence, who is an expert in... Um, water water striders and I remember him showing us a photo of like this massive I, like I don't know it was like the size of his hand water strider I don't know if it was just like a, a trick of the the light but it was just mm. very impressive yeah that would be especially walking on water <laughs> yeah it, uh, he was like oh, I can't remember where in Asia he was but it, it was a really cool photo and I it stuck in my mind Well, thank you so much, Olivia. I'm really glad we're back. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to check out our merch store at etsy.com slash shop slash beyondblathers. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at beyondblathers. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye. Bye. That was an episode of Beyond Blathers, a podcast by Olivia de Bercier and Sophia Osborne about the insects, fish, and fossils of the video game Animal Crossing New Horizons. You can find links to their previous episodes on their website, beyondblathers.com. Thank you so much to Olivia and Sophia for sharing this episode with us. Next week, we'll be airing our last archive episode of this break we will be revisiting an episode centered around the climate strike that took place on September 27th, 2019. The episode from 2019 features audio from the climate strike, 
headlines about similar types of actions from pre-COVID times, and an interview with Dr. Holly Ann Passmore about eco-anxiety. Look forward to it. Maybe it will provide you with some inspiration to check out a climate strike in your area. That is all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening to this Beyond Blathers Takeover episode. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. You can reach us for comments or questions via email, terra at cjsr.com, or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa.